is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie, and it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. It's that time again, and we're so excited to meet you here, our music and artist-loving friends. That's right. You know what happens right here. Rachel, what is it? Well, you're going to fill up your creative tank today. Okay, well, sign me up for that. Stick around. You're going to meet some very creative people today. Let's not wait any longer, sisters. Let's get to the guests. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, up first, you're going to hear from Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Katie Tunstall. Now, you guys know Katie best from this smash. Well, my heart knows it better than I know myself, so I'm going to let her do all the talking. Ooh-hoo. Ooh-hoo. I came across a place in the middle of nowhere with a big black horse and a cherry tree. Ooh-hoo. You also know Katie from this song. Suddenly I Katie gets very real about her career, the music business, and her life. You're going to thoroughly enjoy getting to know this extremely talented singer-songwriter. Yes, and Katie even covers a period of her life where she totally gave up music and thought she was going to take at least a 10-year hiatus, and that turned into a two-year hiatus. Hear about what inspires Katie and what you can expect if you catch her on tour with the Bare Naked Ladies this summer. And she even talks about being the first Grand Marshal of the Tartan Parade in New York, which celebrates her Scottish heritage. Katie's latest album called Kin is the first installment of a trilogy. Here's a segment of that for you right now. KT is a one-woman band. She plays a loop pedal with multiple instruments, and it's incredible what she's able to do with her musical prowess and creativity. You're going to hear all about it coming up here very soon. Who else is on the show, sisters? Okay, well, then you're going to travel from Scotland to Ireland. We've got Dennis Casey today from platinum-selling band Flogging Molly. Now, Dennis gives you a perspective on the band, how they hang out behind the scenes, how they blend political messages with feel-good music, and you can catch them this weekend at Stir Concert Co. along with Dropkick Murphys. Get your Celtic punk on today, hanging out with Dennis Casey. Woo. 
Okay, well then you're going to hear from one of the most influential and recognized voices in journalism. Maria Elena Salinas is here and she's back for season two of her investigative series. The Real Story with Maria Elena Salinas airs Monday nights at 9 p.m. Central on Investigation Discovery. And today you're going to walk through the door and find out what life is like for an investigative journalist. Now, Maria is a household name for 57 million Hispanics living in the U.S. and millions more in 18 countries where her work is seen. So hang out with this Emmy-winning and Peabody award-winning journalist today. Okay, Allie, big news in your family this week. Big news in the form of a little tooth. (laughs) So my daughter Clover lost her first tooth this week, and the way it went down is when she woke up on Thursday, I knew that tooth was very loose. And later on in the day, she and her big brother Luke were playing. They were out in the yard, they came back in the house, and Clover was trying to shut her big brother out of the house and was laughing and trying to push the door. Luke pushed the door back, and the doorknob hit Clover in the mouth, and out came the tooth. And Clover started crying and screaming those really high shrills that like kill your ears at the top of her lungs. And I felt so bad. And I I held her and she's like, is my tooth out? And I said, yes. And then Luke felt so bad because he was the one who had pushed the door. And he looked really, really distraught. And Luke said, is she okay? Is she okay? Is it my fault? And then Clover said, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the door. (laughs) Well, that's right. Blame the door. I thought, oh, good, I don't have to sort out that fight. I completely went with the story that it was a naughty door. (laughs) And so she went to bed that night, and she was waiting for the tooth fairy to come. And in the morning, she woke up really early, and she said, Mom, do you think the tooth fairy came? And I said, I don't know. You're going to have to go see. And she said, let's wait till Luke is up, and then we can go see together. So I thought that was really cute that she wanted her big brother to share in it. Well, he did cause the tooth to come out, so I guess he did have a hand in it. (laughs) Or a door in it. Let's see if he gets a cut of the money. (laughs) I doubt that one. Well, got to say, that's an adorable story. (laughs) Had to do it. All right, well, stay right there because we're going to be right here when you come back. Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter K.T. Tunstall, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you guys know her best from the hit song, Black Horse in a Cherry Tree, which earned her a Grammy nomination for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Well, KT Tungstall is here now to chat all things music and what to expect if you catch her on the Last Summer on Earth tour with Bare Naked Ladies. Welcome, welcome to the show, KT Tunstall. Hi! That's the best welcome to a radio show I've ever had. Thank you so much. Awesome. Great to have you. Okay, so what can people expect from your set on this tour? So the one thing that people I've seen online have been posting about is they didn't realize that it is a one-woman show. Okay. And I'm opening up for the Bare Naked Ladies, and I'm playing solo, but I've basically, over the years, I started off with just a loop pedal on my guitar, and I've added various things, so now I have this wicked sampler so I can play electronic beats. I have a little mini keyboard, and I have effects on my guitars and vocals, so I basically have this crazy pedal set up on stage which means that I can sound like a full band. And that I always so cool. I always introduce my band and going, this is my band, they're all from Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> so now how long did it take you to figure out that you could do all that simultaneously? 
Well, I started off using the loop pedal just after I'd made Eye to the Telescope, my first record. Okay. And actually, it was really cool because and weird because Black Horse and the Cherry Tree was not on my record. I hadn't written that song. Okay. So the Eye to the Telescope record was finished. I was about to go out on the road. And I was so tired of just being the girl with a guitar like Phoebe playing Smelly Cat from Friends. Yes. Right. And I just wanted to, because my music is so much about rhythm and about beats. Uh-huh. And my, a good friend of mine who was um, a sound engineer said, oh, I have this loop pedal. You should try it. And so I basically just started messing around. And actually that messing around was what became Black Horse. Okay. So I kind of learned how to use that pedal. And once I really had a handle on that, I just really wanted to keep challenging myself. So I just kept adding bits and pieces. And now I'll play a keyboard and I'll set up a beat and I'll go over to the keys. And so I think basically over the next few decades of my life, um, I'll just keep adding, keep adding more and more. <laughs> to my, more and more stuff. So you actually wrote Black Horse while using this loop pedal. Yeah, so I pretty much wrote the song because of the loop pedal. Yes. It was a very symbiotic relationship with my loop pedal. And it was a wonderful process that, you know, it gave birth to a song that has taken me all over the world. Right, cool. So now I have to ask you, when you were recording that song, the ooh-oohs, yeah. were those part of the song or were those something that you added in the recording studio? No, so the woohoos were a really integral part of the song because a lot of my songwriting I'll use quite... Not complex chord structures, but I certainly play around with chord progressions. Okay. And so there's not that many songs that I do where I can have something musical. I can have a beat going all the way through, but I can't really have something musical going all the way through because the chords change, and so that musical part's not going to fit all the time. But Black Horse and the Cherry Tree is basically like a blues song. So it means that one thing can actually... I was like, the, the experiment was, can I do put something in the loop that doesn't get annoying if yeah. it's playing all the time? Yes. And I'm sure there's some people out there that would disagree with me on this song. They're like, that song annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> but I was really excited that I'd found a musical motif that, that was catchy but could just repeat the whole time. <laughs> Well, right now you're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with Grammy-nominated and Scottish singer-songwriter Katie Tunstall. Okay, so now performing over the years with the loop pedal yeah. live, have you ever had a moment where, like, you do the wrong loop and you have to, like, start the song over? And- oh, <laughs> ladies, there have been many moments, believe me. The, one of the funniest ones was when I was early on and people were kind of watching me on YouTube and realizing how the loop pedal worked. Right. And so one of the funniest ones was this fan had worked out that if he shouted loud enough, he could get his own voice into the loop pedal. <laughs> so as I'm building the loop, he just goes, my name's Ian. And, and then I stopped the song. I was like, really? You want everybody to hear that your name's Ian over and over again? I was like, okay. This is what we're doing now. So that version of Black Horse had my name's Ian over and over again. <laughs> that is hysterical. Thing. It was so funny. And the other thing that happened, which was crazy, was I was playing um, the Today Show. Uh-huh. And I played it before, but I was doing a big live band version of the song outdoors at Irving Plaza in New York. Uh-huh. So there's a big audience. It's live television. We've done the sound check. And when I sound check, I build everything into the loop, right? I put the beat. I put the woohoo, and then later in the song, I put some other vocals, I put percussion, I put, like, extra lyrics and stuff in there. So by the end of the song, it's really full on. Okay, yes. And for some reason, the pedal didn't record. So when I pressed the button live on TV, 
everything was still in there. Oh. And it just like exploded with all the sound. I was like, okay, we're doing a remix today. Because <laughs> there's nothing I could do on live TV. So uh, it's really been a great lesson for me to just understand that nothing's really wrong. It's just you just have to go with the flow and see what happens. And it's a ride. It's kept things really exciting for me. So when that happened to you on the Today Show, what was the feeling inside you? Were you just like, okay, I can get through this. This will be fine. Or were you uh, like, oh, my at gosh. At first, I was like total panic. Yeah. I was like, oh, my oh, gosh. Just happened. Do you know what went through my mind was I could have recorded anything. I could have been messing around in soundcheck and just gone, Yes. Hey, Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Or worse. Yeah, or far worse. And, like, when I pressed that button, anything could have come out. So I was just actually quite relieved it was was actually the song and not something else. Well, that's such a cool thing because you are totally relying on yourself, which I'm sure is pretty empowering to be touring and just be yourself and still have a big sound and be able to rock the audience and also not have to depend on people showing up and being there and people getting sick and that's all that. exactly right yeah that's exactly right it's a huge part of it it's something that i didn't really embrace at first i didn't realize that that was a part of it and because at first i was like i don't want to be known as that gimmicky loop pedal girl yeah. and now i'm like i am so that gimmicky loop pedal girl yes. and this is awesome <laughs> because actually it is really there's a lot of empowerment and self-sufficiency that you can just get up on stage and i don't see a lot of other people doing i mean ed sheeran started doing it afterwards and it's amazing what he's done i mean he does like 10 nights straight in a stadium just him on his own wow and you're really as an audience member i think that you're watching someone create in front of you and right. of course that's the same with any band but it's, it it's adds making another this really layer. big sound. Yeah. Yeah. To and the experience, experience of, uh-huh. of all coming from one person is, is really cool. That's so I'm really grateful that it's part of my creative process on stage. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I want to make as much, much noise as possible as well. I'm just going to put that there as well. That's fun I want to be loud. So <laughs> I love that. Helpful. KT Tunstall here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You're going to hear more from Grammy-nominated KT when we come back from the break. Now you can enjoy the song you know the story behind. Here's Black Horse and a Cherry Tree. Well, my heart knows it better than I know myself, so I'm going to let it do all the talking. Ooh-hoo. Ooh-hoo. I came across a place in the middle of nowhere with a big black horse and a cherry tree. Felt a little fear upon my back I said, don't look back, just keep on walking But the big black car said, look this way He said, hey, that day, will you marry me? But I said, no, 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 no I said, no, no, you're not the one for me The one for me Ooh. And my heart hit a problem in the early hours So I stopped it dead for a beat or two Ooh. Bringing you the stories behind the songs Back to the Mulberry Lane Show Now, here's Mulberry Lane 
in the middle of a chat with Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter KT Tunstall. In the first segment, you heard all about what to expect if you catch her on tour this summer and a look at the recording of Black Horse in a Cherry Tree. We're going to get back with KT now where she talks about where her musical talent came from and how she took a hiatus from music for a time. Let's get back right now with Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter KT Tunstall. So now you were adopted into a family that really had no connection with music, but yet they supported you in following your passion. They did. My mom and dad got me a piano when I was four years old. I was tugging on my mom's skirt, just going, get me a piano, I want a piano. So they got me a secondhand piano, and then I learned to uh, flute as well. And I learned both piano and flute classically. And then I picked up guitar myself when I was 15 and just taught myself guitar and how to sing. And that was cool because... There wasn't any rules. I just felt my way through it. So that was good. It changed a little when I decided I didn't want a job. That was definitely challenging for my parents. They were like, we thought you were going to be a music teacher. I was like, "Um, no, that's not the plan. (laughs) They had their own assumptions about where you were going with this. Yeah, they had to wait 10 years to be convinced that, oh, oh, you do actually have a job. Right. Did you ever find out where your musical gift came from? Well, I know that my biological father who I've never met was a singer he was Irish and had a really good voice but I think it's just one of those things where the genetic mix has just caused rhythm and creative ability because I've met a few other uh, musician friends who are the same and they just I think a lot of it is what you absorb when you're a kid and what you're drawn to you know I'm definitely a black sheep of the family though (laughs) now you recently took some time off you got sick of the business you got sick of music so talk about that time for you and what that was like well it was like 2012 and it was a very tumultuous time in my life my father passed away and with my father passing there was a real kind of realization that um I wasn't quite following my true path, even though I'd carved out this job for myself and this success for myself. I was still really adhering to conventions that weren't making me very happy. And um, I think, you know, often people who've had a parent pass will probably understand that it's a life-changing thing because it's a big part of your life, having your parents and and, and what they think and make them proud of you. And and I was very close to my dad and he he was old and he was done and it was sad, but it was okay. He was a physicist, so he was all about cosmic dust and going back into the universe. So he was all right. <laughs> I know he's out there. Okay. And But I realized I wasn't very happy, and so I basically married the wrong guy. Okay. So I got divorced. Uh-huh. I wanted a fresh start, so I took off and moved to Venice Beach, California. Okay. And I really spent a lot of time looking at myself and looking in the mirror and going, why have I ended up in a place where I'm not happy when I've decided I've made all the decisions? And it was hard. How did you get through that? Did you read like self-help books? Did you go to counseling? Yeah. So my favorite book is called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Uh, Ruiz. I love that Buy that, everybody. It's the the Bible. That's a great book. And then there's a great guy called Wayne Dyer who's sadly passed away, but I would watch his YouTube videos a lot because I think he's a really wise, wise soul. Yeah, and I'd speak to people. I'd, I'd ask advice from friends. Were you very, writing very at this time, intense. journaling at all? I wasn't writing. Okay. No, I was journaling. But I've always journaled, but I wasn't writing songs. And then okay. I actually thought I was going to take like a 10 years out and just, uh-huh. I, I always wanted to write music for film. So I trained in that, did some of that. And then it was really just driving around L.A., listening to Tom Petty and Fleetwood Mac, and I just started waking up in the middle of the night with big choruses, and I was like, oh, hang on a minute, this sounds like a record. (laughs) 
Yes. Um, you couldn't escape it, could you? Yeah, so two years into my 10-year hiatus, I started writing another record. Yeah, it was calling but you back. The difference was I came back to it because I wanted to. Right. Because where I left, I felt like I was defined by this job. Yes. And I didn't want that. I wanted to know who I was away from the music. So mm-hmm. I came at it as quite a different person, actually. I came back going, yeah, my name's Kate, and I play music. Uh-huh. It's not like, hi, I'm Kate, I'm a musician, this is the be-all and end-all. Okay. Um, music is what I do, it's not everything about who I am. Right. Would you say you found the joy again in music? Yes, definitely. Uh-huh. I rediscovered the joy, I rediscovered the connection, um, the purpose in it, and it was a very important journey that I went on between my fourth and fifth records. Mm-hmm. Well, right now on the Mulberry Lane Show, you're hearing from Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter K.T. Tunstall. And then did you find, you know, once you hit that point, the inspiration came back? Yeah. And would you say I also was right, you know, because I'd written a record during the time of my father passing and getting divorced, and that's called Invisible Empire, Crescent Moon. And I'm enormously proud of that record. I made it in Tucson, Arizona, with a great artist called How Gels. And uh, it's a very emotional record. Because you were going uh, through so much at that time. And I was going yeah. through so much. And then this, the next record, Kin, I put out in 2016, it was a real survivalist record. It was a real triumphant. I've come okay. through some difficult stuff, and I'm not only did I survive, but I'm actually a better person for that because I'm wiser and I'm, I'm more understanding of myself and I'm more compassionate of others because I know what it feels like. And right. So it's really, it was a very significant time in my life. Yeah, significant growth phase. Now, Ken is part of a yeah. trilogy, right? It is. I'm doing Spirit, Body, and Mind, okay. and Ken is the Spirit record, and I have just finished up the Body album. Okay, okay. so when is that out? That's going to be out at the end of the summer. Okay. okay, awesome. So all these gigs are leading up to a, a really exciting time of putting out a new album. That is so exciting. And then I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you about, um, you were the first female Grand Marshal at the Tartan Day Parade. Yes! I saw that. That's so cool. And you designed so your outfit. The Tartan, oh, my God. The Tartan Week Parade. The uh-huh. Tartan Week in New York is a celebration of Scottish people emigrating to the United States uh-huh. and that lovely relationship they still have. And um, they do this huge procession down 6th Avenue, 30,000 people, all these pipe bands, bagpipe bands from all over the world come and play. It's just superb. And I didn't really know how big it was. (laughs) And so I was walking back to the hotel the night before, and there's just crash barriers all the way down 6th Avenue. I was like, oh, my God, I'm leading this thing. And they'd apparently asked women in the past that had never found someone who could do it and Sean Connery's done it before Tommy Flanagan the actress done it before uh-huh. and you lead this procession and yeah I designed this I didn't want to wear a kilt that's not something I would wear so I was like I need to wear something that's me and, right. um, and so I got my friend to design this awesome tartan outfit which had a matching doggy jacket because I borrowed a, a beautiful rescue greyhound yes. who walked we with me. We saw the it pictures. Awesome. It's awesome. The photos are... It was really cool. And cool. just good timing, you know, with gender equality and female empowerment. It was so good to be the first woman to do that. And then when you were walking that, leading the parade, did you just think, I can't believe I'm here, that my life... I, yeah, I just <laughs> have to keep saying, I just had to keep saying to myself, it was like my eyes were a camera. I was like, remember this, remember yes, this. Remember right. This. Yeah, and then I have one final question. What's it like being on yeah. tour with Bare Naked Ladies? They are hilarious. They're so <laughs> funny. So I'm doing a song with them in their set, okay. and I get up and I play, and we did the little sound check the first day, and the drummer, Tyler, is like, 
Katie, I'm going to say something that I don't think anyone has ever said to you. I was like, oh, okay. Great. And he goes, can you just be a bit less funky? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, Tyler. I don't know if I can. I don't know if that's possible, man. I just don't think I can take the funk out of this Scottish girl. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a white girl. I love <laughs> that. It's been so much fun. Well, Katie, it's awesome yeah. talking to you and getting a peek into your life in exciting time yeah. for you. And we would love to have you back when the album's out. We'd love to, too. Thank you so much. That's Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Katie Tunstall. Stay right there, because coming up next, catch up with Celtic punk rock band Flogging Molly, swinging through the heartland this weekend, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Taking you to break with a song from KT Tunstall's latest album, Kin. Here's It Took Me So Long to Get Here, But Here I Am. Took it all, all on my back. Did it on my shoulders. Thought it was all. Make up Flogging Molly will be rolling through the heartland this weekend and with it bringing the good times that come with good music in an outdoor venue at Stir Cove and the summer vibe in the air. Well, here to talk all things Flogging Molly and what to expect if you go is guitarist Dennis Casey of the Celtic Punk original band Flogging Molly. Dennis Casey on the show, Flogging Molly, here we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was a good harmony. Ah, thank, thank you. you. Good to have you with us. Yes, yeah, great to be here. Okay, so now what can fans expect from the show this weekend at Stir Concert Cove? Maximum rock and roll. Woo! <laughs> so All you right. guys are really known for your live show, and is that something that has developed over time, or did you come out of the gate like that? We came out of the gate swinging, I think. I think okay. that's the one thing the band has always had, and it's a chemistry, and it's like gasoline and... Uh, ignition you put them together and then you create fire and uh without being too cliche that really is what happened when i remember first playing the first song with the band it just, okay just lit right up you felt it immediately yeah and you put four thousand people in front of you and then it lights up even more yeah that's awesome okay so now the most current album is life is good and that was released about a year ago and that was the first album in six years for flogging molly so why the time lapse uh, a number of things happened in the six years. We changed managers. We, we got a different drummer. We got a new booking agent. We did all kind of like change a lot of business okay. things. And then um, Dave's mother passed away during the, the writing of it, and my father passed away. Okay. So um, you combine all those things and kept uh, things kept getting in the way, but we were ever moving forward, and it was done. Yeah, life happens. 
It does, yeah. When the best laid plans you may have, life's going to get in the way we throw you a curveball. Yeah. So now your music, you do take on life. You know, some hard subjects, sometimes you veer into political territory. But yet, right. the sound is still feel-good music. So how do you walk that line between kind of the deeper messages, but yet the music is not heavy? I think uh, Irish culture has always had the the ability and the wherewithal to take the most horrendous things and celebrate them, actually, okay. and try to find some sort of uh, positive message or just like like you said, life happens. I've heard, you know, uh, in Irish literature, you can find the most uh, horrendous stories, but they're told with a twinkle in your eye or a little twist at the end. Uh-huh. They give you a little a little twinge of either hope or, like, humor. Or redemption. It, I mean, it, yeah, and it's a country that has been, you know, invaded and right. many uh, hardships for thousands of years. So I think that's where that comes from. Yeah. Now, what about you personally? Where did your musical talent come from? Uh, I didn't have any. I had to work for okay. everything I have. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> uh, the honesty. I'm uh, one of those guys. I don't come from a musical family or okay. anything like that. My uncle had a he had a bar and then it closed and he put all the cool jukeboxes and pool tables and pinball machines in his basement. And he loaded uh, the jukebox up with all uh, Elvis 45s from Sun Records and the early RCA ones. And I'd love to go over there and play it. And then uh, I just wanted to play guitar and, and that was it. Just no bold from there. And then how did you come to join Flogging Molly? I moved out to Los Angeles from Rochester, New York to pursue a, a career in music and struggled for many, many, many years. Okay. I was playing in a bar... Uh, with the band, and uh, one of Dave's friends saw me. They were one of five people in the audience. And um, <laughs> they said, my friend needs a guitar player, and this is his name. And, and then I met Dave and um, auditioned with the band, and I got the part. So it goes to show you, when there's just five people in the audience, it still can be life-changing. Do you know, I tell that to so many young people. I was like, play out, get yourself out there. And you women know what I'm talking about. You yeah. got to get out there and show the world what you're about. And uh, there was five people. I'm not exaggerating yeah. in the audience. And one of them changed my whole life. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, right now we're talking with Dennis Casey of the band Flogging Molly here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You can catch them this weekend in concert at Stir Cove along with the band Dropkick Murphys. You know, the first time you played with the band, you felt the magic. So now throughout the years, you know, the ups and downs of everything, how do you guys manage to stay together, work through your creative differences, and continue making music? Uh, I think it's the love of what we do, and we have grown closer to each other. It's it's a second family for us, and we do tour a lot. And I think it's the music that glues it all together. You will definitely, in the band, have your ups and downs and sure. trials and tribulations. You know, getting through those is, the, you know, that hour and a half spent on stage together, making this thing, this sound. They, you know, the sound only happens when we all get together. And mm-hmm. I think that is a something that's, that is very special and honored and holds it all together and elevates it. Makes it worth all the trials and tribulations. It makes it worth all of it, yeah. You hang around all day, and then you got an hour and a half of it, and then, then hanging around another 23 and a half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you would say that you all enjoy hanging out with each other outside the band? Uh, well, that, that's very difficult. Nobody lives in the same state. 
Yeah, you know what's funny? When we all lived in L.A., we did. Okay. But we tour so much, I see them just as much as I see my family. Right. Um, yeah. And we, you know, we're all on the same bus. We all tend to like to stay up late and talk, laugh, have fun, listen to music, and go out. But it all works. It all works. Yeah. So now, any differences between touring in the 90s versus touring today? Cell phones. Ah, Smartphones. Yeah. <laughs> that makes GPS. all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's all there. It's, on my, it's right next to my ear. I have GPS. You don't have to go to pay phones anymore. Your internet, FaceTime, social media. The whole world's changing to change touring, uh, I think, for the better, yeah. personally. Uh-huh. A band of seven people, you have to wait in line to use the... Uh, the phone so yeah. <laughs> you know the pay phone the one pay phone in the middle of belgium wow yeah. <laughs> now is there a camaraderie between you guys and other successful irish bands do you feel that yeah we're on tour with the job kick murphy's right now right and yeah. it's absolutely fantastic we did it in europe first and then we, we're, we've been doing it here we've been doing been on tour for about a week and a half and it's more the same we all get along uh great we've been wanting to do it for 15 years right yeah. <laughs> it's finally happening and uh yeah we uh we'll jump up on stage with each other and okay. it's been uh, a lot of fun okay. awesome and what do you hope people take away from the show this weekend uh i hope they need uh, to sleep the rest of the weekend or the rest of the week because <laughs> they have so much fun <laughs> that's so awesome fun. and then is there a favorite song that you like playing live um i have to say my favorite one is devil's dance floor Okay. Because it's fun to play. I jump around a little bit more, and I, I play a long guitar solo at the end. It's got a big ending. So. Of course. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know right. us guitar players. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we want to thank you so much, Dennis, for joining us here on the show. We've enjoyed chatting with you, getting a behind-the-scenes look at the concert this weekend, and flogging Molly. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. I'd love to do it again. Do that down the road. That's Dennis Casey of the Irish punk band Flogging Molly. Catch him this weekend at Stir Concert Cove in Omaha. Coming up next, investigative journalist Maria Elena Salinas talking about the new season of The Real Story with Maria Elena Salinas. Airing on Investigation Discovery. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. And we're taking it a break with the song that Dennis Casey loves to play the most live. Here's Devil's Dance Floor by Flogging Molly. Before we go, you're going to catch up with Peabody and Emmy Award-winning journalist Maria Elena Salinas. The New York Times dubbed her the voice of Hispanic America, and today you're going to hear all about the second season of her investigative journalism series, The Real Story with Maria Elena Salinas, which airs on Investigation Discovery at 9 p.m. Central on Monday nights. 
Maria, for someone who hasn't seen the series, can you describe the concept of the show? The Real Story is a show on investigation discovery in which we go and look for the story behind the story because there's always a truth behind the stories that are told. And we go back to see cases that have been solved, but there's always something new. There's always evidence. There's the possibility of someone who's speaking for the first time. There's the possibility of someone who had been too embarrassed to come out and say what they saw or what they heard. And that is why we call it the real story, because we try to dig in to look for the evidence so that we can find the truth. You know you have to know where to look to find the real story. Does this come naturally for you? You know, sometimes you have to dig. You have to try to convince people to speak up. You have to see if, if you can get that evidence that maybe was not presented, was not allowed to be presented in, in a courtroom or try to talk to someone who years later is uh, maybe regretting the fact that they didn't come forward. So I think by talking to people, by asking questions is when you get that information out and then you have to convince them to publicly say it. And you have to walk that line between getting the real story and, you know, making good television, but also knowing how far to push whoever you're talking to. Yeah, especially when you're talking about the family members uh, of a victim. You know, I've been doing this for many, many years, and I think that one of the things that I'm more conscious about is, uh, you know, sensitivity of a person, is, is, is the compassion that you have to show to someone who has already suffered because they have lost a loved one. You have to know just how much to, to push them just how much to ask. And, and it's also the way that you ask the question and usually try to prepare them before the interview and let them know that I'm going to be asking you some difficult questions and I apologize for it, but it's important that we know the truth. Up to now, I think it's, it's worked pretty well. No one has actually gotten upset. On the contrary, I think sometimes it sort of helps them with closure to be able to, to talk about these things. And you know, sometimes they thank me for telling this story because we we want to make sure that we humanize the victims, that they don't just go off as a, another statistic. Uh, they are human beings. They have a name. They have a face. They have a story to tell. And we want to make sure that we tell their story, their personal story, what was missed, what they missed, instead of just talking about the actual crime. And I'm sure it's important to you that the audience does see these people as real people with real stories. And, you know, like you said, not just another statistic. Yeah, you know, you walk a fine line when you do crime because some people say, oh my God, that's yellow journalism. That's so sensationalist. And it's actually not. I mean, we're doing some journalistic investigation here and there's a lot to learn from these stories. You try to understand how people think, uh, what is in the mind of a criminal. But most importantly, you learn to see the signs of danger when it's in front of you because sometimes it's right around the corner or in front of you and, and we don't detect it. I mean, I'm a mom, I have daughters, 21 and 23, and it just breaks my heart and scares me, literally, to see that there's so many young women who, who die victims to, to men who prey on them, who uh, seem to be so charming and loving and end up being monsters. Yes, and you know, that's another important audience takeaway from the show, too, is that, you know, to look out for danger and to be aware of our surroundings. And Maria, we could talk to you for much longer, but I know we're out of time. We want to thank you for joining us here on the Mulberry Lane Show and giving our listeners a behind-the-scenes look at your show, The Real Story with Maria Elena Salinas, airing Monday nights at 9 p.m. on the Investigation Discovery Network. Thanks, Maria. Take care. 
Well, we want to take this time to thank you, Maria, for joining the show today. So cool to hear about your show. Thanks for opening up and bringing it to us this weekend. Who else do we need to thank, sisters? Okay, well, high fives to platinum selling and Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter, originally from Scotland, KT Tunsil. KT, it was so cool to hear about your creative process, how you're a one-woman band live, and how you incorporate that loop pedal. So inspiring to hear how you came out of your musical hiatus. And we're excited to hear the new music you'll be releasing. So you all stay tuned here in the fall when KT releases her next album. She's going to come back on the show and tell you all about it. Okay, girls, who's bringing up the caboose? All right, and finally, thanks to Dennis Casey from Flogging Molly. These guys are coming through the heartland this weekend. Check them out at Stir Cove Concert Series with Dropkick Murphys. And there's nothing like Celtic punk party music. Thanks for bringing the punk vibe today and lighten up the show. Totally right, Rachel. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Mulberry Lane Show. Thanks for being here. You're so awesome for tuning in every week. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be even more awesome than you already are. (laughs) Rachel, remember to create where you are. And that's a wrap.